Chapters three and four of A Surgeon in Arms by Robert James Mannion. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three Overland. The normal position of man on the earth is on its surface. Generally speaking, when he is under the surface, he is in his wine cellar or he is dead. But at the front, all this is altered both the enemy and ourselves have reverted to the cave age for if we wish safety in the lines comparative safely that is we pass our time in caves or cellars dugouts or trenches not that living underground would be taken as a matter of choice in the piping times of peace for the mud and dirt of the trenches and dugouts cannot by any stretch of the imagination be said to be comfortable or pleasant the fact that your only chance against a hidden enemy is also to hide makes your desires subservient to necessity in fact both the enemy and ourselves are continually burrowing deeper and deeper in each other's direction at the end of the burrow or tunnel we place charges of dynamite to blow each other out into the open the fear that your enemy may succeed in doing it to you first and that some fine day you may awaken to find yourself sailing about in the heavens with no support but the explosion which sent you there makes many a man on a dark night hear imaginary tappings causing him to report that he fears the enemy are mining underneath us more than once out of the pitch darkness has come into my dugout some lonely sentry to tell me that he has heard mysterious hammering underfoot and only when we had located the real cause as something other than he thought did his and perhaps our nervousness disappear on one occasion a non-commissioned officer came hurrying into the h q dugout of a certain canadian battalion with hair standing on end he reported that an auger had actually come through the bottom of the trench in which he had been standing the colonel insisted on investigating this himself and found that a mole had bored his way through the ground these fears may have an unconscious effect in making every one wish to get out of the semi-darkness of the trenches into the bright sunlight which dispels clammy feelings and fears as if they were mists of the morning but the real reason for travelling overland is that at all ages and in every clime the forbidden or dangerous has its attractions thus it is that out there both officers and men contrary to orders and upon the flimsiest of pretexts climb out of the trenches and in more or less plain view of enemy snipers or observation posts walk again like ordinary human beings on the face of the earth this practice is very common where the trenches are muddy or knee or hip deep in water it is the recognized custom after dark when working parties are carrying up ammunition or rations not rarely some of the men of these parties are hit by bullets put across from fixed machine guns it is a weird sight on a dark night to go overland and in the dim light of the flares or star shells to discern long rows of men trudging along with packs of supplies they loom up suddenly before you or perchance a column of the ever useful pack mules pass patiently carrying their burdens overland 
and often by day one comes across the body of a mule that was given rest from his weary toil by a german bullet at which times one cannot but wonder if in a happier land the patient plodding much abused pack-mule is given his just meed of appreciation and kindness when some one pays the price of his recklessness in going overland the price is most often exacted by a bullet what insidious little things bullets are they sneak in and hit you without forewarning you in any way and they may hit so hard that you do not know you are hit even then most men out there have more respect for them than for shells for often you have time to duck against the side of a trench and so partly dodge a heavy shell but you can't dodge a bullet it gives you a most uncanny feeling to be taking a short cut overland and suddenly to hear a ping thud just beside you thus learning that some german is trying to pot you as you potted an innocent red deer on your last hunting trip or you may be walking quietly through apparently safe trenches maybe dreaming of your loved ones at home when a bullet thuds into the trench wall a few feet from your head insolently spattering mud into your face then you know you are alive only by the grace of god and the poor aim of the german but despite these risks all take the chance of going overland to lessen a quarter-mile trip by one hundred yards or to miss a particularly muddy bit of trench any day you choose when you are five or six hundred yards from the front line you may see scattered parties of men crossing in the open the regimental aid post of the blank canadian battalion in october nineteen sixteen when they were doing their tour in the lines could be reached in two ways one by trench a roundabout route of over a mile the other one half mile by trench and one quarter overland the former route was never employed except on regular relief days officers and men passing daily the one-quarter mile overland only about six hundred yards from the enemy front line the field ambulance stretcher bearers made the trip twice daily and one day when i was crossing over with their sergeant i asked him why the german snipers did not hit us ah heine is too busy keeping himself out of sight to notice us was the careless reply but at times those crossing this space heard a bullet whistling nearby or ping thudding into the ground close to their feet after a raid by our troops one early winter's morning when i had been attending the wounded for some time i came up to take a breath of air a trench led from this cellar of mine some two thousand yards to a village of reasonable safety but the road cut off two or three hundred yards of that distance this road was in plain sight of the germans yet some of our wounded tommies walking cases were leading a crowd of five or six wounded huns by the road the party altogether numbering ten or twelve as we watched them suddenly within a few yards of them burst two shells all the men broke into a double and jumped into a trench beside the road while a few more shells fell about it is an ironical truth that the only members of the party hit were three of the germans on a certain relief day when food was scarce a medical officer started for a y m c a canteen in neuville saint vast for some chocolate taking a short cut overland as he could save one hundred yards by this route 
meeting a soldier he stopped to inquire as to direction and this saved the life of the officer for a shell struck the ground a few feet ahead on the spot where he would have been had he not stopped as he and the tommy hugged a tree nearby two more shells struck the same spot sprinkling them with earth they turned and ran in the direction from which the doctor had come amidst the roars of laughter of some soldiers in a trench at the sight of the rather corpulent form of the medical officer on the double so little is thought out there of narrow escapes and when the officer made the same trip in the dusk of evening he found that the canteen had run out of chocolate in what had once been a little village but was now a mass of ruins the trenches ran through the streets our mess was situated in the cellar of a house to which we could get either in a roundabout way by trench or by crossing a road overland no one ever dreamed of going any other route than the overland despite the fact that the road was in plain view of the germans who had fixed on it a machine-gun with which they now and then swept it from end to end i admit frankly that i never crossed that road without a sigh of relief when i reached the other side it was on a christmas day i started out to make an inspection of my lines with my sanitary sergeant and a runner who knew the best routes arriving at a support trench and wishing to go to the firing line the guide started over the parapet on being asked the purpose he said that it was a much shorter way but to my relief the sergeant told him to go by trench for often one would rather go through a dangerous zone than appear afraid of it in the presence of his men however we made the examination of the lines after we had finished the firing line and were returning we found ourselves crossing overland by the route over which he had attempted to take us to the front he had led us up a gradually ascending communication trench and so unknown to us had reached this overland trail nothing happened nothing was said about it but i certainly felt relieved when i was once again in a trench without having a german bullet sneaking between my ribs how little tommy cares about risking his life if it lessens his task in passing it may be mentioned that on this christmas day none of that fraternizing took place which had taken place the previous christmas in fact early on the christmas morning the battalion on our left after a severe bombardment put on a raid and christmas night the enemy retaliated with heavy stuff of all kinds probably this is as it should be for while it may look well in print to read of our troops and the germans exchanging cigarettes and eatables in no man's land it is detrimental to discipline and injurious to the best fighting spirit it would be much more repugnant to the anglo-saxon at any rate to kill men with whom he had just passed a pleasant social half-hour this may appear heartless but war is a heartless game and fraternizing may very well be left until after the peace articles are signed End of chapter three chapter four kelly kelly is my batman or personal servant his name tells his nationality his philosophy especially as regards the war is usually interesting and always instructive yesterday he accompanied me to headquarters out in front of the railway line at vimy we had to cross a few hundred yards in the open where the huns had an annoying habit of dropping shells at irregular moments suddenly we heard the horrible shriek of an approaching whiz-bang 
it passed over our heads and banged into the earth twenty feet or so beyond us knowing that others would probably follow it and that they might have twenty feet less of a range we jumped into a four-foot deep shell hole which happily was beside us we hugged affectionately the german side of the hole to take advantage of whatever protection it afforded one after another in rapid succession three more of these shells shrieked toward us fortunately our unuttered prayer that they would not come to see us in our hole was answered for they followed the first and struck twenty or twenty-five feet past us just close enough to sprinkle us well with mud while we waited a few more minutes to see if any more were coming i turned over and faced kelly don't you think kelly i asked seriously that lying in a shell hole like this is rather an undignified position for two proud anglo-saxon no doubt it is sir but it's a good deal safer than staying where we were and if there's one town captain that i've larned to respect more than another in this war it's the shriek of an oncoming shell when it seems to be coming in your direction now duds shells that fail to explode is different do you remember sor the day we came in to relieve the twenty eighth battalion here as the colonel the adjutant and yourself were coming over the crest of the ridge and i bringing up the rear with that luggage of yours he looked at me reproachfully for though looking after my luggage was part of his duties he never pretended to like it a dud landed just before us the sound of a dud thudding into the earth near boy one is sweater to give me than ever was the gurgling of a brook on a june day down the banks of the lakes of killarney kelly's advice is often worth taking for he has been out there well into his second year and while he has not yet been wounded no one ever accused him of lack of courage he occasionally does things with a slight almost imperceptible grimace of pained surprise but he always does them when ordered in my early days i was prone at times to take a peep over the front line parapet at the always interesting no man's land i wouldn't do too much of that if i was you doctor he said respectfully though at the time i thought there was also a trace of pity in his brogue for out air is not considered healthy me poor old father lord have mercy on him always told me to curb me curiosity and a padre have been here a long time told me when first i came that his one bit of advice to me was don't be curious i always encouraged him to carry on with his philosophizing except when the dull look in his eye and his exaggerated stand at attention told me that he had somehow obtained my rum ration as well as his own i notice sir that them that are here longest peep the least that's why they are here longest do you dodge when you hear a shell coming kelly it's always wise to duck sore for with very big shells which come slower you may be quick enough to get against the soid of a trench i have the pieces miss you and when it's a whiz bang ere bullet and if you're able to duck you know you're not hit just at dusk of a warm spring evening as we crossed an open field we had the misfortune to find ourselves bracketed by german gas shells that is some of the shells were falling just short of us and others were passing a little over us 
we recognized that they were gas shells by the whirring noise they make going through the air and by the soft thudding sound of their explosion but had we had any doubt that sweetish though well-hated pineapple odor of the gas was reaching our nostrils the previous evening we had had for some hours a heavy gas shelling about our aid post during much of which we were either strangling from the gas fumes which made some of the men dreadfully ill or we were smothering to death with our gas masks on doing dressings for wounded men so taking all this into consideration we had no desire for a repetition of the dose the shells were thudding into the earth about seventy or eighty yards on either side of us and our dangers were two a straight hit by one of the shells the result of which would be mutilation or death or the bursting of one at our feet as the inhalation by us of such concentrated fumes might mean a little wooden cross above us behind the lines the gas masks or respirators are worn flung over the shoulder in the lines the rule is to wear them in the alert position that is on the front of the chest with the flap open ready for instant use we had them in this position and were carrying the apparatus in our hands so as to be able to insert the tube into the mouth rapidly if need be had we adjusted them at once we should have found it difficult to avoid falling into the numerous shell holes for seeing through the goggles on a dusky evening is most unsatisfactory my companion's practiced eye noted that the shells while bracketing us were falling much more thickly on our right than on our left after he had drawn my attention to this we turned quickly to the left and we had the good fortune soon to be well away from the explosions it need hardly be remarked to our intense relief that was a happy observation of yours kelly i remarked when we were out of danger and were literally breathing easily again dunno but what it was sore of course a man shouldn't need a wall to fall on him to know that something's comin' his way i could almost see his sly squint in my direction he dearly loved to display his hard-earned knowledge and as he was too valuable a man to get angry with except for good reason his remarks were generally accepted good-naturedly kelly is a strict disciplinarian at least so far as others are concerned while he takes liberties in passing his own opinions to me he resents any other private doing likewise in his presence one day at a sick parade a soldier who had been marked by me m and d medicine and duty that is given medicine but fit for duty muttered something to the effect that one never gets a fair deal from a military doctor anyway before i could reprimand him kelly hustled him out of the room saying angrily "Bigobs, you may have been exposed to discipline but it never took in his insistence on everyone else's carrying out all the laws of military discipline while breaking most of them himself he is the equal of almost any officer on a delightful spring day after the battle of arras our battalion was holding the front line out beyond thelis my aid post was on a sunken road near wiverfall one of the many sunken roads which are talked about by anyone who has ever been at the front the wounded had to be brought to us by stretcher-bearers at night 
as the whole front here was a huge salient with the huns pumping lead forget-me-nots from three sides by day on the least exposure of our men so our work was all night work and i lay lazily on a stretcher in an abandoned german gun pit taking a sunbath there originally had been a roof over this gun pit it was made up of one-inch boards laid carelessly across steel supports and in the remains of this roof two little swallows were gaily chirping love-making and nest-building for their family to be ignoring entirely man's inhumanity to man kelly was sitting on his haunches his gray head held on one side thoughtfully watching these happy little birds well kelly i demanded of what are you dreaming i was just thinking doctor he answered without turning his head what a puny scent a humor man has in comparison with them swallows yonder have swallows a sense of humor kelly have they a sense of humor why they're laughing at you this very minute i turned my head a trifle sharply in his direction at me and the rest of humanity listen to dem laugh and why shouldn't they laugh when they think what a gay world they live in with room for all a them and all a us and yet while they live and love and have their young and doy in peace we men with the brains of gods so we say spend our time inventin new means of killin each other and for hoy for a few acres of bogland for the privilege of christianizing and chattin and hatin by givin him some glass bees in exchange for his every and his india rubber and his spices take a look yonder at that skylark wouldn't he do your heart good and he pointed to where one of those joy-giving birds was soaring higher still and higher and lavishly pouring out upon an ungrateful world his flood of harmony divine what about liberty as opposed to this cursed german militarism oh yes oh, i'll admit there's a bit of truth in that but at bottom it's mostly commerce that causes war yes oh, i shouldn't like to have the prussian military heel on my neck god knows the englishman in his time has left a heel mark or two on the irishman's neck but at that i'd rather have him especially of late years than that cursed hun for he wears nails in his boots and i've hated the englishman all me life what the devil did you come out here for anyway kelly you're the first person that's ever hinted to me that there's anything private about this fight and the russians and the prussians and the french and the italian and even the turk in this fight is there any just reason why irishmen shouldn't butt in too he asked in an injured tone but you interrupted me strain of thought beg pardon you mention it i was going to say that though i've hated the englishman all me life i'd be afeard to live in his country for i'd get to love him he's got such a deep sense of humor why he praises the canadians till he actually makes you believe you're winning the war with your two or three hundred thousand men while he's got a couple of million in the field who took vimy ridge kelly we did sir we canadians with fifty to sixty per cent of british born like myself and a damn fine bit of fightin it was too 
sure truly sore oh, i wouldn't belittle it for anything but vimy ridge is only a couple of miles long and british troops are defending something like a hundred and fifty miles and the most of that is held by english troops with a scattering of the haters irish and scotch look at the casualty lists over a period and you'll find who it is that's doing for liberty it's mostly the english and the french as fur as oi can see the canadians have done nobly sir no one could deny it but they mustn't think they're winning the war old boy themselves the last time i was in london the funniest comedy i seen was a couple of young canadian officers on a bus telling an educated englishman how the empire should be run and the englishman listened without even cracking a smile while they criticized london for not having a straight street and for having old-fashioned buses and lied george for his lack of firmness with oiderland and so on and so on and the englishmen listened as if they were the wise men of the east bowing his assent to all their talk and at last he said with a long face there's no doubt you young gentlemen are right if we had a few more men like the honourable mr hughes of australia and the sir sam hughes of canada we'd be in a better shape now i'm very happy to have met yez and he shook their hands and left while they swallowed what he said bait hook loin and all so i slips up to them and salutin i says baggin your pardon sores says oi but i happen to know who that man was it was lord rothschild the great international banker it may have been the emperor of china for all i know but they swallowed that too and ignorin me one says and he shook hands with us and on their faces was a bland smile of child-like satisfaction oh you canadians are great snobs so you are why i've heard yourself laud to the skies the noble parts taken in the war by the blue blood of england sure you're just a big snob as any of the others er oi i beg your pardon sir i'm sorry for saying it how about thinking it the only thing i can call me own since i joined the army are me thoughts but oh, i wouldn't think it against your wishes for the world sir said he smiling slyly oh, i agree that the blue bloods have fought well but no better than the rest of us and they have something to fight for for while i'd like to ask if where was a poor devil like me to fight for who'd support my children if oi was kilt your children i didn't know you were married oh that i was married oh all classes out here fight well i agree with that writer who said that all men are alike except for their clothes now except for our clothes i don't suppose any one would be able to tell which was the captain and which his servant with another sly grin probably not except for the whisky you drink i may drink a slightly greater amount than ye sir but i'd notice we drink the same brand yes i've noticed that too kelly that's why there's never any to offer any of my friends when they call oh, i assure you doctor there's none of it wasted probably not from your standpoint now kelly i'd like some tea and see if you can put a little less candle currants and sand in it than you did this morning if you lave the last half inch in the bottom of your cup sir you'd never know there was anything but tea in it and he left to prepare as good a cup of tea as one could desire except for these extras which a paternal quartermaster always inserts into the various articles of diet 
of course the fact that the tea and sugar come in sandbags and the candles are put into the sugar to prevent breaking them adds to this complication kelly is a good cook and no mean philosopher he continually emphasizes the importance of what he calls a sense of humor one night when he had taken too much of what he called at various times the crather human producer poteen or honeydew i heard him say to a companion as me friend lord norfolk says there remain these three faith hope and charity and the greatest of these is a sense of humor a day came when kelly going for water with two old gasoline cans slung over his shoulders was struck by a shell he was some seven hundred yards from my aid post at the time fortunately some stretcher-bearers nearby went to his aid though the shortest way out was rearward and well he knew it he insisted on being carried back to explain his absence to the doctor i saw them bringing him in and ran to him for in spite of any faults his never-failing loyalty and his good-humoured and faithful service had endeared him to me he had been covered by a coat of a stretcher-bearer so i could not see at once what his injuries were where have you been hit kelly i demanded anxiously for his face was pale do you mean sir anatomically or geographically and a wan smile lit up the pallid face as his quick-witted humour got the better of his suffering but i had taken the coat away and i saw that the wound was fatal keeping my head low so that he could not see the expression on my face or the tears in my eyes i gently dressed the wound he bore the handling without flinching as i finished he said bravely well doctor they've done for me this time i you needn't try to hide it from me i knows and i'd not care to have only half of me hopping about anyway oh we'll pull you through kelly old man you promised to be my chauffeur after the war but i know you never did like working for me and now you're trying to dodge and i tried to smile but he saw the tears running down my cheeks none of your joke now doctor i knows it's all over with me and really it don't matter for there are no one that cares and as i looked at him reproachfully Oh, except you sir and god knows why you do for i've been but an impudent servant to you but doctor looking at me imploringly you forgive me now don't you for it was only tazin i was dear old kelly i said as i pressed his cold hand whatever have i to forgive you're the best friend i have in all france a lump in my throat prevented me from saying more his hand returned the pressure but there was no strength in it then to cheer me up he said i know captain i always did respect the cross and the abstract of course since i knelt at the knees of my poor old mother rest her soul well i never had any great desire to look up at one of them little wooden crosses through six bad a earth and the paling face lit up with its whimsical smile what's worrying me though is who'll look after yourself you're such a crank about how your bacon's cooked and the sand and the tay and but just at that moment the padre came in from a neighboring battalion headquarters he had made me promise that if ever anything should happen to the wayward kelly who should have been but wasn't a regular attendant at his church parades i should send at once for him i had done so as soon as i saw that poor kelly was hard hit 
i laid kelly's hand gently down and slipped away i was called hurriedly back a few minutes later by the padre he wants you doctor he said briefly kelly's eyes met mine his were getting dim as i took his hand his fingers feebly gripped mine i bent my head to catch the whispered words that issued from his lips good-bye doctor i'm leaving for the great beyond there's no use grumbling and i don't for i've had a full life me friends often said too full but sure they didn't know with the faint smile but since that day when you showed me the picture you carry over your heart of your three fine young boys god bless them i've wanted when the war was over to go back with you and see em will you do me a favor doctor boy his voice was growing feeble the tears were flowing unheeded down my cheeks i could not speak so i squeezed his hand in assent will you talk to them sometimes a kelly and tell em that with all my faults i loved her daddy and tried to sarve him well and that if i was sure me death would cause you to be taken safely back to them i'd draw happy and content god bless you and them and his voice died away his dim eyes closed and his soul passed into that undiscovered bourne from which no traveller returns that night the padre and i buried him in a shell-hole erecting over his grave a little wooden cross on which we wrote private james kelly number a five nine zero 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 blank canadian battalion a loyal generous faithful soldier and friend End of chapter four